It is Thursday, September the 15th, 2022. This is episode 52 of Tone of the Slab, Pitching with David Cohn. It's a production of John Boy Media, and it is pitching each and every week. We do it with the five-time World Series champion and the signing award winner, David Cohn, the ace researcher, James Smythe, and myself, Justin Shackle. This episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Bear Burger. And uh, hey, like right off the bat, let's... uh. Let's just apologize in advance because all three of us are on the road here. Uh, David James are in Boston with the Yankees. I'm in I'm in Las Vegas for the uh, Canelo Triple G fight coming up this weekend. We're all in weirdly lit hotel rooms. Our, our audio quality probably isn't as, as solid as it is in recent weeks. So uh, we appreciate you bearing with us uh, for this episode. But but guys, we're we're doing it obviously, and we're going to be doing it big this this week with uh, a big guest. Dodgers right-hander Dustin May is joining the show. The Dodgers just clinched their postseason berth, and their ninth National League Western Division crown in the last 10 seasons. So the uh, the monster that is the LA Dodgers, they just keep rolling along here in 2022. They are. I mean, there's, there's three storylines to follow right now. They're all centered around the numbers of baseball. Uh, the Dodgers are right in the center of it in terms of how many games are they going to win? Where are they going to end up in terms of regular season wins? And historically speaking, uh, I'm thinking of the 98 Yankees, 114 wins. Do they hit that mark? You know, secondly, everybody wants to know on a singular season note, Darren Judge, where is he going to finish, finish, obviously? How many homers he's going to hit? And then, of course, Albert Pujols, is he going to hit 700 or not? So those are the three storylines for me that are, historically speaking, that I'm following. It's great to have Dustin May back from Tommy John surgery. One of the guys with some of the nastiest stuff of any pitcher in the major leagues. And he's uh, given a, a, a Dodgers staff a big boost as they come down the stretch going for history and a postseason push. Yeah, the Dodgers are a storyline. I think Dustin's status for the postseason is probably one of the storylines within the themselves as they try and sort through things over the next few weeks. So we'll we'll touch on that as we get closer to Dustin's spot here on toe in the slab but David you also mentioned another one the home run chases pool holes to 700 and Aaron Judge approaching 62 and it feels like he may be going homerless for a few days but then he just more than makes up for it with multi-homer games here and the most recent happening on Tuesday against the Red Sox in Boston yeah it's not just that he's chasing a, a, a historical record he's hitting very meaningful home runs the Yankees have needed every bit of his production down the stretch here. And once again, last night, I mean, he ties the ball game you know, with, with an amazing second home run. So, you know, his production is not just padding his stats. His production is carrying a team that struggled offensively without him. And where would they be without Aaron Judge this year, especially down the, down the second half stretch run when they really kind of faded. But if it weren't for Aaron Judge, wow, where would the Yankees be? Judge is doing this in a time where we've talked about it all year. Offense is down. Scoring is down. Batting average. The MLB batting average is 243. That's the lowest since 1968, the year of the pitcher. The on-base percentage is 312, the lowest since 1972. Judge is hitting 310. His on-base percentage is 414. He's slugging 692. He's not just a one-dimensional slugger. He's doing it all. He's hitting every kind of pitch. He's, he's hitting it in every part of the zone. He's impossible to pitch to at this point. He's getting to the point where 
one, you, you kind of have to look at him as a potential triple crown winner now as he raises that average to 310. But also, James, you mentioned he's, he's leading the league in slugging, leading the league in on-base percentage, um, average home runs, RBIs. I mean, he could be leading in five royal offensive categories here. I, I mean, and, and the home runs that you were talking about, David, they, they helped the Yankees tie the game after they fell behind twice against the Red Sox uh, on Tuesday. So it, there, there, there's parts of this that make it feel like he's going to blow past Maris's record, but everything else is remarkable when you think about what James just said. Offense is down. Pitchers have the advantage in this day and age, and he just makes it look easy, which is the most incredible part here. Well, it's really true. Uh, you know, he's showing no signs of slowing down at all, as you said, Shaq. Uh, yeah, it, it, historically speaking, when he, when this season's over, you can make a strong argument that Aaron Judge has had, not just in the modern area, era, but all time, you can compare his season offensively to any season in any era, and, and it, it would compare favorably. Now, I'm not saying better than Mickey Mantle's Triple Crown or Babe Ruth's 1927 season, but you could make a really strong argument that by the time Aaron Judge is done, he's got a top 10 all-time historical offensive season. I mean, it's just a monster year. No two ways about it. He's doing it every which way balloons, and even his stealing bases, too. So, you know, he got thrown out last night, but you can, tell, you can just tell that, you know, Aaron Judge takes pride in, in every facet of the game, and, and it shows up. I mean, it really does. He, he's, he's that kind of a player. He's accountable, and he's one of the best team players you'll ever see. But nonetheless, you, there's not one weakness that you can point to. And if there is a weakness in his game, you can bet he's going to work on it because that's the trend. That's the, per that's the character he has. That's the type of person he is, is that he's going to work on every single weakness in his game until he perfects it. So naturally we watched the S network broadcasts uh, for Yankee games, but on Tuesday, yes, broadcasted the game Turner sports broadcasted the game and judge was asked on the field after the game from Lauren Shahadi, who I think does a terrific job how only Babe Ruth, Roger Maris have hit more home runs as Yankees in this uniform, right? And, and she asked him, hey, when you think about those two names, how does that make you feel? What comes to mind? And he was able to turn it into a very humbling response. He says, well, those guys are winners. They're champions. And I'm hopefully going to be able to put myself in that category, something along those lines. But again, you're able to deflect the personal attention and correlate it to the ultimate goal, which for him has always been winning a championship here. So just more impressive stuff, the way he's carried himself, the job he's done. It's just been terrific for, for Aaron judge in 2022. More toe in the slab is coming up. Now a word from our sponsor, better help. More athletes are speaking out about the importance of mental health, but you do not have to be a pro to want to be at the top of your game. Everybody needs to take care of their mental well-being, whether you're an athlete or not. And therapy is the best way to stay in peak mental shape. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. That's BetterHelp. It's convenient, accessible, affordable. It's entirely online. You don't have to leave home. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. And if you want, you can switch therapists at any time. So when you're ready to feel at the top of your mental health game, you can get there by visiting betterhelp.com slash slab today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com 
slash slab. Um, the Dodgers are probably won a hundred games by the time, you know, Oh, we've got through the first 10 minutes of this podcast. They, they continue to roll here. Uh, clinched the NL West on Tuesday night with their win in Arizona. And we were discussing this a couple of weeks ago, guys. Like, what is going to be left for the Dodgers to do once they win the division, once they clinch the top seed? They still have to do that to, to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But that's going to be happening in short order, at least it seems. Now we've arrived there. So when you take a look at where this pitching staff is at the moment, how would you set things up with the Dodgers for a playoff series? Everything centers around Clayton Kershaw, obviously, and he's looked good coming back. So if he's good, the question is, you know, how, how heavily are you going to lean on him? Is he a game one and then bring him back as soon as you can in, in his next start? Are you going to lead with that? Is he going to be sort of your, your battering ram Number one starting pitcher. Can you lean that heavily on him? And I asked Dave Roberts that question uh, back the last time we were in L.A. for Sunday Night Baseball, and he he sort of hedged. He said, "I'm not sure we can lean on Clayton Kershaw as much as we have in the in the past. Uh, he, you know, even if he's healthy now, you, you want to keep him healthy all the way through because the goal is to get all the way through to the end in the World Series as well. So that's the real question: Is Clayton Kershaw your number one guy? Can you lean on him that heavily or not? And once you have that answer, then everything else kind of falls into line. I'm not sure about uh, Tony Gonsolin, where he is uh, health-wise and what, how much you can count on him as well. So that kind of leads us into our guest, Dustin May, right? Where, he, where he's going to fit into this. Is he going to be in the rotation? Is he going to be sort of a, a monster back a reliever where you could use him at any point in the game because of the tremendous stuff he has? But to me, with the Dodgers, it all centers around Clayton Kershaw and certainly yeah, uh, I would consider leading with uh, um, your Urias. Uh, you know, the the lefties had a great year. Um, you know, he, he may be in the Cy Young Award uh, talk right now. The way he's finished, so I may lead with him. And if you lead with him, then you can go with Clayton Kershaw, like a game three, a Joe Torre strategy. You know, like a game three, and then if you're in a seven game series, a game three, and then a game seven with Clayton Kershaw if you needed that second start in a, in a big series. So. Yeah, that, that to me is going to be, it's gonna, all going to be centered around those two lefties, you know, Urias and, and, and Kershaw and where they fit in. Tony Gonsolin, a bit of a question mark. Dave Roberts, later, a later, a recent update from him said he wasn't encouraged nor discouraged by a, a recent bullpen. So I guess the jury's still out there. Uh, our guest, Dustin May, uh, could be a factor in the rotation or the bullpen, depending on who's healthy and who's not. You could see Tyler Anderson, Andrew Keeney. These are guys that could be factors in the rotation if there aren't enough guys to that are back and healthy, or they can slide into to deep in the bullpen. The bullpen is pretty loaded. You have Craig Kimbrell, whose head is ups and downs closing, but Evan Phillips has been phenomenal. Alex Vasilla has been great. Chris Martin has been great in limited time as he comes back. Caleb Ferguson has been a revelation. So they have they're swimming in arms, and there's no wonder why they're allowing the fewest runs in the game. Yeah, the Dodgers have options. Uh, I think Urias has established himself this year as like an, an ace. I'm not calling him the Dodgers ace because you, you still have Kershaw. When he's healthy, he's going to perform like a great pitcher. But yeah, the the I don't want to call it the safe route, but you have Urias in the top spot, Kershaw number two. I like that idea, David, a lot. And then it's tough to think about like the breakout season Tyler Anderson's have, and then you 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 have the idea that he could go to the bullpen, but that's that's conceivable here with a guy like Tyler Anderson. And then 
yeah, Dustin May, Andrew Heaney. I think the last few weeks, one of the sub uh, subplots of this Dodgers September is who's kind of going to emerge as one of those starters to pitch a game three, a game four for this team. Because like you said, James, Tony Gonsolin, it's no sure thing that he will be returning. And if he does, will he be as effective? as he was for the majority of 2022. So that, that, that segues beautifully into Dustin May here, a big right-hander, six foot six. People call him a redhead string bean. He's the gingerbread man for, for the LA Dodgers. Had a 15 and a half month layoff from Tommy John surgery. He's made a few starts since returning and he is looking to solidify his postseason spot here with the LA Dodgers. They march toward a terrific uh, franchise season here in 2022, uh, eclipsing, the or about to eclipse, I should say, a hundred wins, and they can they can go pretty far. This this is called one of their deepest rosters in quite some time, and they have had nearly a decade of dominance in the NLS. So, without further ado, our guest this week on Tone with the Slab, pitching with David Cohn, it is Dodgers right-hander Dustin May. All right, Dustin May is joining us here this week on Tone with the Slab, pitching with David Cohn. Dustin, thanks for the time here, man. Uh, congratulations on another. NL West crown. I think you're probably getting used to this by now, even though you haven't spent too much time in the majors. Uh, what, what was the highlight of the clubhouse celebration on Tuesday after your team clinched the division? I mean, just the, the ball popping. I mean, that's, you can never beat that. That's probably, that's what we all fight for. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's just, I was a pleasure to be here and to join the group, group of guys and doing it. David's had some experience in, in those celebrations too, the bottle popping. David, what is like the number one uh, situation to, to avoid in those celebrations? Oh, you know, sometimes it's the, it depends on how aggressive the dog pile is, you know, initially in the middle of the field, you know, sometimes division champions, when you're on a team like the Dodgers, you expect to win the world series, you know, but the, each, each party progressively gets better. And I think Dustin probably knows that he has a little postseason experience already. So, yeah, I think they're going to you're going to get more aggressive as you go along. But nonetheless, it's a tremendous accomplishment, something to celebrate. You know, I mean, when you get in the clubhouse, just that feeling that you could tear up that clubhouse. You know what? I can spray this this stuff everywhere and, and, and get away with whatever you want. So, yeah, I'm, it's a time to act silly, act silly and have fun and really let yourself go after a long year. You know, I, so, I Dustin, guess- you're coming back from from Tommy John surgery. Go ahead, David. Yeah, you know, that was that was what I was going to say, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, uh uh, you know, it's, it seems like Dustin, that you're rounding into good form now that you're just in time. The Dodgers really need you, uh, as you're going down the stretch, uh, have you got a sense on, uh, you know, uh, you know where you're going to fit in? Certainly as you go down the stretch here, just get more work, get more starts. Or are you geared towards maybe any possible role in postseason that they want to throw at you? Uh, I mean, right now I'm just trying to, to get back in the swing of things and get some starts under my belt, but uh, I haven't really been informed of like what the the future is going to hold for postseason role and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm, I'm up for anything when the opportunity arises. As you're making these starts, Dustin, has there been a challenge for you in these first few outings that's connected to the Tommy John and the rehab that you went through? Uh, I wouldn't say any challenges. Um, I mean, I'm, I've been, I've just been kind of beating myself, not throwing strikes. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the biggest issue. I mean, I haven't really got hit very hard. So, I mean, it's, I'm just kind of putting myself in bad situations to where I'm not setting myself up for success. Well, David, a lot of times you say that when a pitcher's coming off Tommy John or a long-term serious injury, one of the toughest thing that's 
that's not quite there right out of the gate is control and command. Yeah, that, that's always going to be the issue. And that's why I think Dustin's got enough time down the stretch here, especially in you know the situation that they've already clinched. So, yeah, he could just kind of focus on what he needs to do. And you know, I still say there's plenty of time that he can fit into any role and, and, and get that. Um, you know, there's never a question with, with your stuff, Dustin. I think uh, maybe with the mix, I, I'm interested in sort of, you know, you, you can do so many things with the baseball. And your mix of four-seamer and two-seamer, I find fascinating because when you can throw the ball 100 miles an hour, generally speaking, years ago, we were encouraged to throw four-seam fastballs, but you could do both. I mean, the movement you get on your two-seam fastball is incredible. I mean, how do you navigate that part? You know, the balance seems like you're kind of 50-50 in two-seamer, four-seamer. Is it two-seamers to righties to pound them in and four-seamers to lefties? Or how do you decide the mix between your two different fastballs? I mean, yeah, ideally it's more sinkers to righties and four seams to lefties, but uh, I, I feel using both to, to both sides kind of opens doors for, for everything else. So, I mean, that's why I like to keep like a pretty even mix for it. Uh, I don't want them to be able to sit on one and sit on the other. So that's why I like to kind of have them close to 50-50, if not a little more on the sinker side. But, I mean, that's kind of the idea is just to be able to, to mix and match and throw them both when I'm comfortable and counts. Yeah, I, I saw you throw the one to a lefty the other night that reminded me of Oral Hershiser. I don't know if you, you've seen many videos of Oral Hershiser back in, in the 80s when he, he threw that sort of uh, front door sinker to lefties and, and froze them a lot. Is, is that a pitch that, you, that you're, you're working on? Or is that a pitch you feel comfortable using? Uh, I'm not super comfortable getting it over to like front hip lefty. Um, I do sometimes, but it's not normally like the where I'm really going for it just because I don't want to leave it more middle, uh, but there's some times where I can, we're on days where I can clip them better, but I would say for the most part, if I'm going on a lefty, it's going to be a force. You recently added a change up during your recovery and it's looked pretty good so far coming in at 88. What went into the thinking of saying, I need to add a change up and two, what kinds of things are you looking from it in order to think that it's doing what you want it to do? Uh, just the kind of idea behind it was, I mean, I never really had very good feel for it, uh, like going through the minor leagues and whatnot. So my kind of idea was whenever I started spinning stuff through the rehab process that I kind of wanted to try and throw it in the mix and just give it the best chance to survive if, if I was going to be able to throw it. And um, I felt like I got a really good sense of like what I wanted it to do and the feel out of the hand pretty early on in the rehab process. So I feel like it's kind of translated into just getting like, I guess, weak contact or like a lefty or somebody out front of it. So um, just to kind of get them off of the sinker or a four seam or just something going the other way, a little softer. You know, you know, Dustin, I always ask this question to, to every pitcher, especially I'm, I was similar to you. I signed out of high school. So tell them about your history going back. Take me back to, you know, you're 18 years old. You get drafted by the Dodgers out of high school. You get a chance to go to college. I think Texas Tech, I believe you were you were you were slated maybe to go there. You know, how tough was that decision and um, what was that like back then? You know, did, did, were you anxious to become a Dodger and sign or do you feel like you missed out on the college experience at all? For me personally, uh, I I told my dad the night before the draft that I was like, if my name gets called, I'm signing. Uh, college wasn't really my, uh, my forte or thing that I wanted to even put myself into at all. So 
I kind of told him, I was like, hey, if my name gets called, I don't really care which team it is. I'm, I'm going to Pro Bowl and I'm going to try and start my career as early as possible. So, I, I mean, I always had high like hopes and dreams for myself. And I knew that if I had, once I got the opportunity that I was going to go and strive and fulfill my dreams. I love that. Very, very uh, decisive. Didn't, didn't have to think twice about that. Not at all. Um, no. And, and you grew up in Justin, Texas, uh, right outside of Fort Worth. I think a signature look for Justin May, other than his his red mane, is is the Stetson. You pair it up nicely with with the cowboy hat. Um, what other I mean, I mean, do you do you prescribe to that to that lifestyle? Like, can you can you, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, can can you know, can you just a walk like a cowboy and, and not just, you know, wear the Stetson hat? Like, are you, are you able to, are you able to practice that practice what you, what you wear? Uh, I definitely, I, I like going to like bull rides and stuff like that, but I definitely have never joined in or done anything like that. Um, the town that I grew up in, it was, it was kind of country, but like my family wasn't super country, but like, I always liked, liked that vibe and feel and like the group of people that it was. So I tried to like put myself in that, in that group. Um, it's not an everyday wear, but I, I definitely feel comfortable wearing it whenever I do. And I feel like I wear it well. So it's just kind of a, a look that I like to wear sometimes. And that's just kind of my thought on it. I think you could tell how like much of a city person I am because I don't, I couldn't even tr describe that. <laughs> if I, you know, I need to fight myself out of that situation there. Um, but, uh, but, you know, grow, growing up outside of Dallas, uh, outside of the Fort area was there someone on the texas rangers that you kind of looked up to and then influenced you as a pitcher uh honestly no i mean growing up i wasn't a huge um like fan of the game i mean i really liked playing but i mean i'm kind of in the same realm now i don't really like sports i guess i love playing sports like all sports and i love competing and i will go out and do whatever i i can and i'll compete at it and be good but um if you tell me to like watch a game or sit down and go to a sporting event or something like that i'm totally out like i think i watched i watched more football in the last two days just because it's been on the clubhouse than i have in like the last three years so um it's definitely not anything that i like to turn on i'd rather watch like a movie or a tv show or something like that you know, another question i always ask uh to, to some of the pitchers because i'm fascinated with some of the new technology you know i missed out on it in my career I'm just wondering how keyed in you are coming up with the Dodgers. Do you know, are you keyed in on your metrics in terms of, uh, you know, release point, vertical, horizontal movement, uh, any, anything that you use or that's helped you along the way that, that you could share? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not really anything that you can change your stuff with. It just kind of gives you a viewpoint of like what it is. So um, that was just kind of something that I always leaned on. I mean, knowing that my stuff was good and that it played always, always, gave me that like in my mind like okay I'm gonna be able to do this because my stuff is like even before I was throwing hard like my stuff was like kind of elite so I mean I I kind of just went into it like all right my stuff's good I'm gonna trust it and I'm just gonna go let it do what it does I mean do you keep track of the spin rates I mean you you, you obviously know I mean your curveball has what close to 3,500 rpms at times I know well over 3,000 rpms is that something you you pay attention to from start to start or do you look at those numbers uh, after your game I don't really look at the numbers after the games. I mean, the numbers are just numbers. I mean, like I said, they're just their view. Uh, they don't really change my game at all. I'm going to throw it 
and the same kind of counts. It doesn't matter if it's spinning at 35 or 25. So, I mean, all that is is just a metric thing saying what it's doing. It's not really going to change my perception on the, the pitch. Guys, more Tone the Slab is on the way, but the NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it is just getting started. So get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL game to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. Even if your team loses, you'll still get paid instantly if they are leading by 10 at any point in the game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SLAB to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SLAB only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You had about 15 months or so for completing your comeback from, from Tommy John surgery. And uh, it's, it's tough to imagine what that experience was like. But we have a lot of pitchers who, who listen to this podcast here. What is the one piece of advice that you would give to guys who either are having to undergo TJ or currently rehabbing back from it? My biggest advice would just be buy into the process. Uh, understand that it is a very long process and just not try and try and rush it. I mean, if you stay locked into the to the rehab process and trust your trainers and your PTs and everybody else around you that's giving you like your best interest in mind, I mean, that's that's kind of the biggest thing that I, I went and ran with was, all right, I know I'm going to be here for X amount of time. Like, I'm not going to try and rush out because there's no really way to rush it. And in my position, there was no reason to rush it. I, there was time for me to come back. And I just I bought into the rehab process and gave it my all every day. You know, there were cameras on you talking with Clayton Kershaw after your, your most recent start in the dugout last week. What, what's the most important thing about pitching that Clayton Kershaw has told you? Uh, just to not let the moment get too big or too small. Uh, just trying to stay, like, level-headed through, through the moment. All right, well, so what was he telling you the dugout in that instance? That, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what he was saying. He was just like – it was it was kind of just like a, a whirlwind game for me. Like, it was, there were a lot of ups and downs. So, he was like just trying to keep your, your mind on a level playing field and not let it get too low or high. Has there been any talk in the clubhouse? And I know uh, – you know, I played for the 98 Yankees. and We ended up at the regular season. We won 114 games. And by the, by the time we got through to the World Series – our final record was 125 and 50. Is that something that's been talked about in your clubhouse? I mean, you guys have your hands around the throat of maybe one of the, the great historical seasons of all time. Does, does that motivate you down the stretch? Any of your teammates that you've heard talk about it, about keep pushing, we can, we can take this to another level. You guys might end up winning 110, 115 games before you get to the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I personally haven't heard anything like that. I mean, I think we're just going out it and going out every game. And I mean, it's, we're not like pushing for a win. I mean, we're just kind of go out and going out and giving it our, our a game every game. And I mean, it's not like we're expecting, but like we're looking forward to a win and then whatever happens, happens. It's interesting because, you know, it's, um, it's something that, that we, I thought the same way, you know, at the time, it's not something you really focus on, but the further removed you get from it, the more I think you're going to appreciate 
what you guys are doing right here and the chance that you guys have because you know, it, it's a different level. It, it's a, it, you guys have a chance to, to have a team that's talked about for a long time. It's not just a world championship team, which you you know you guys you know you already have a world championship team. You know you, you you've already done that with the Dodgers, but this year's that's a different level. You guys have a chance to really kind of you know put your imprint on history, and that's not something you can think about right now. But believe me, uh, down the road, it's like a, the jackpot just got bigger. I think for you guys, historically speaking, and. Maybe for Dave Roberts, a signature moment for him as a manager. But I, I know you in your position, you're just trying to, to make sure that you're ready to go for the postseason and get the most out of the rest the rest of the way. But you guys really do have a chance to have one of the great historical teams. And, you know, to me, that, 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 that's interesting. And uh, maybe, maybe not thinking about it now, but, you know, on down the road, believe me, you're, you're going to appreciate that when you, when you, when you get, uh, you know, further removed from this year. Yeah, I mean, just me looking at it now, I mean, yeah, it'd be cool to go out and win that many games, but I mean, the we've already clinched for the postseason, so it's not about winning games now. It's about winning those eleven in October and parts of November, possibly. So, I mean, that's that's more of the idea. There's no reason to run yourself into the ground during the regular season. You'd rather do that in the postseason. We start with congratulations on clinching another postseason berth, but I'd like to congratulate you on, in my opinion, winning the Dodgers annual dress-up road trip. Ginger bread man. What <laughs> how'd you come up with that? Actually, my fiance did. Uh she was just looking up like costumes online and she was scrolling through Pinterest or something like that and came across it and she was like, This is a great idea. We're gonna do this. And I mean, a lot of guys thought that it was just like a last minute ditch effort for a costume, but like it actually was just like, all right, this is like a kind of a it's a very easy, simple like thing to throw on, but it's also like kind of creative and thoughtful and funny in the same gesture. So it was it was kind of fun and easy. Which a lot teammate do you costume in nineteen? I can tell you that. <laughs> Which teammate do you think uh, ha had the best one outside of yours? Uh, Heaney had a really good one being the uh, Diet Dr Pepper man. That was that was a pretty good one too. All right, I am looking at it now. I'm looking at it now here on my phone. Who had to go? Who who had to go buy all the gingerbread? Uh, actually, it, it was just regular like market bread from like Walmart. Okay. We just, we like Instacarted it the night before, and we just had to order some twine to be able to throw it around <laughs> my neck. And we just ripped like an Amazon box up and wrote "Gingerbread Man" on it. So uh, it was just it was super simple, super easy, and fun all at the same time. I think this goes. Nobody's having into, fun like uh, the Dodgers. Right? No, this, this is what I'm going into, David, though, like they're, they're having fun yeah. and they're even killed when, when it comes to taking care of business. And it's a it's a perfect balance. I think it's the mark of a team who knows what it needs to do because they've obviously been here before. Dustin, take us take us behind the curtain just a little bit here. Like when new players come from other teams, what do they say is the biggest difference now that, that they're with the Dodgers? Uh, I mean, just probably how much fun we have. Uh, and then it's not like a super stressful situation, like coming in and how relaxed everybody is. And I mean, we just go out every night and we were expected to win. I mean, that's kind of the mantra and like the like way that we go about our business. It's just like, all right, we're we're just going to go win and we're going to go do it. Like there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. All right. When you see that you are going to have this first round by how are guys looking at all that downtime is it a luxury or is it too much downtime uh me personally i haven't really talked to a lot of guys about it i think that it's gonna it's a pretty 
long time. I think it's like six or six odd days or something like that. I mean, it's, it's quite a bit of time to, to go out and kind of, I mean, we're going to have to be throwing live APs and stuff like that against our own hitters. And I mean, we're going to have to be going out and getting the work done when it's like other teams are getting game reps through those times. So uh, we're just going to have to stay as locked in as possible throughout that time. Uh, Dustin, I know these last few weeks, they're particularly, they're, they're important for you, even though your, your team seems like they're well on their way to a top seed. I mean, you, you need to solidify a spot in the postseason rotation. I think that's one of the big questions people on the outside have about the Dodgers is how they're going to sort up their pitching staff. What would it mean for you to be on this journey back from what you just experienced to find yourself in the Dodgers rotation come October? I mean, it'd be a super like fulfilling like moment for me. I mean, honestly, or, I mean, I have to go like earn the position and gain my spot. But I mean, it would it would definitely be super cool and fulfilling knowing that what I went through and what I came back and being able to come out and prosper and and help the team in, in any scenario is just it's it's a good feeling. Yeah, well, congratulations on coming back. I know it was a long road for you. I think you're in good shape. I've watched your games. I think you're really close to, to, to being uh, right where you need to be, uh, just a little sharper with your command, and that just comes with more reps. So I wish you all the best down the stretch here. Thanks a lot for joining us, Dustin. Uh, you know, uh, you can count us as a big fan of yours. You know, we've been watching you for a while. We're happy to have you on the podcast. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for taking some time here. And uh, But uh, stay the road, man. You're looking good, and you're, you look like you're ready to go for postseason. Yeah, thank you all for having me. It was a blast, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again. All right, it's time for this week in pitching history. James, what do you have for us? All right, some no-hitter history this week. September 17th and 18th, 1968. That's 54 years ago this weekend at Candlestick Park in San Francisco. Gaylord Perry, Hall of Famer of the Giants, no hits, the Cardinals, beating Bob Gibson. 1968 Bob Gibson, one nothing. And then the next day, same series, Ray Washburn of the Cardinals returns the favor, no-hitting the Giants. So the teams traded no hitters on back-to-back days. That also happened the following year in 1969 at Crosley Field, Jim Maloney of the Reds, Don Wilson of the Astros. So, of course, that's how it had to be in the year of the pitcher. I pitch a no hitter. You pitch a no hitter. And uh, one more thing, too. Got to get into this. Another no hitter. September 17, 1996, 26 years ago Saturday, Hideo Nomo, the only no hitter at Coors Field going through a pretty tough heart of the order with Ellis Burks, Dante Bichette, Andres Galarraga, Vinny Castilla, and uh, Shaq. We're both 90s kids. You, When we were growing up, everyone was imitating the, the Hideo Nomo windup. Sure was, the tornado. The tornado windup. Uh, you'd have to stretch quite a while to uh, to go out there and perfect the, the pitching motion for Hideo Nomo. But, yeah, back-to-back no-hitters. Uh, you're the pitcher, probably a big reason why it was called that, probably a big reason why the mound was lowered. You had no hitters between, you know, in the same series going on in 1968, right? Yeah, that, that, you're right. That, that was the last time we've seen some significant rule changes, and we're going to see some next year too with the pitch clock and maybe not quite, quite as significant as lowering the mound, but we'll see. It remains to be seen what, what influenced the pitch clock and uh, some of the other things are going to have on the game of baseball, the shift reduction and – the, the bigger bases, you know, it remains to be seen. I don't know if it's quite on par with lowering the mound, but nonetheless, it's, it's been that long since we've had these kind of rules changes. 
And with Hideo Nomo, David, what were pitchers saying to one another when they saw him for the first time in that, that throwing motion? He was just truly remarkable. Uh, he, a real trail, trailblazer coming over from Japan, too. Uh, you know, he's in the same category as Fernando Valenzuela coming from Mexico. You know, just the, the, uh, the frenzy that he created. And, you know, I was a teammate with Hideo's with the Red Sox one year at the end of his career. And he actually threw a no-hitter that year, too, as well. I witnessed his no-hitter in Boston that year, uh, his second one. So there was a regalness about Hideo Nomo, the way he carried himself, the respect that he commanded, not only uh, from his countrymen in, in Japan, even to this day, he's still royalty, uh, without a doubt. But that even among the American players, when you talk to him and you got to know him, he's just such a solid guy, um, so classy. And, yes, he maintained – that flexibility and that tornado delivery all those years, I don't know how he did it. The guy was a bull, how strong he was to be able to twist and turn like that and that tornado delivery that he had and that true fork ball. You know, we, we, you know to me, uh, you know, I, you know Sha- Shaq, you've heard me say this, and, and James has heard me talk about the difference between a split-fingered fastball and a true fork ball. And Dale Nomo had a true fork ball. I mean, it had re- he really took a lot of spin off of the baseball. He had a real wide split with his fingers on the pitch, and it dropped a ton. It had incredible vertical downward tilt. So he had a true fork ball. The tornado delivery and the true fork ball were just filthy, and he's one of the, one of the greatest pitchers that, to ever come out of Japan. One of the best pitchers of the 90s that, you know, kid, again, guys like James and I's age right now, playing video games, you know, you definitely wanted to play with Hideo Nomo in the game just to watch, uh, you know, the, the video game portion. And then whenever you caught him live on the mound, it was incredible. So different. It was great. More Toe on the Slab pitching with David Cohn is coming up right after I tell you about a pretty cool gift you can get your fellow sports fan. And it comes from the fine folks at Stadium Map Art. Stadium Map Art pushes laser engraving to the limit. It creates detailed wooden 3D stadium coasters, 3D stadium maps and magnets. There's over 150 stadiums that you could choose from, and their list continues to grow. It is a great piece for your living room. Maybe you have a fan cave, a sports bar, coffee table, your your office at home. It looks great even when it's not in use, and it is sure to be a great conversation piece around any table. Every coaster is individually cut and engraved out of birch plywood at their Home studio in Ohio. It's crafted by a father and son combo. There has been over 10,000 coasters shipped so far. This is a perfect idea if you consider yourself a really bad gift giver. If you're one of the worst gift givers and you need to find that perfect gift for the sports fan in your life, this is it. 3D stadium coasters, maps, magnets, all handcrafted and laser engraved in the USA by Stadium Map Art. Find your team stadium at stadiummapart.com. Use code slab15 that's slab15 to get 15 bucks off your next order over 50 bucks slab15 at stadiummapart.com uh three up three down guys as we wrap up this week uh who, who wants to go first here i'll just put a bow on to james allen so shaq you've been bringing him up these last couple of weeks because he kept going with the the scoreless inning streak it came to an end in colorado on sunday but just to wrap things up with Gallon's great streak, 44 and a third consecutive scoreless innings. That's the seventh longest streak in big league history. Our pal Oral Hershiser with 59 in 1988 beat out Don Drysdale's 58 in 1968. 
Then a jump down to Bob Gibson in 1968. You're the pitcher. There you go again with 47. Zach Greinke in 2015. Carl Hubble in 1933. Sal Magley in 1950. The Barber. And then Gallon checks in at 44 and a third from this season. The seventh longest streak. If he had gotten three more innings, he could have jumped up to third. So there's a cluster there with some great pitchers like Gibson, Greinke, Hubble, Sal the Barber, Magley, and now Gallon. An incredible run. The silver lining and all that is that he does pass Brandon Webb for the longest consecutive scoreless inning streak in Diamondbacks history because Webb was right there. He was on that list. So, yes, uh, kudos to Zach Allen for a very nice run there. David, who do you have? You know, I want to throw some love to the Cleveland Indians away. You know, we think about Terry Francona and the Indians. They just – they're so well run. They have a pitching factory. They develop pitchers so well. And, and when you think about the Indians, you think, okay, yeah, Shane Bieber, right? Yeah, great pitcher. But the best pitcher probably on the Indians this year is they continue to hold off and, and, and make a run for the Central Division in the American League is Tristan McKenzie. And, you know, I've mentioned him before. But he's he's had an incredible year this year, probably under the radar. And if you look at his record, his one-loss record, 10 and 11, it doesn't do him do him justice at all. He's, he's, a, he's another candidate to, to sort of show you that one-loss record can be very deceiving. He's got a 3.4 war that paces the Indians and their starters. Uh, he's got a 60-game score rating. Uh, game score is a, a sort of a, you know, a, a metric de- designed by Bill James that measures starting pitchers uh, and just gives you points. Demerit, it's like a demerit system. You get points for good things you do. You get negative points for uh, bad things you do. So uh, uh, average is about 50. He's got a 60 game score. That also paces the Indians. So when you're looking at the Cleveland Indians, a great young pitcher they developed, signed out of high school, a great story, a feather in your cap. Anytime you have a pitcher like that in your organization, boy, you, you really feel good about it. But Tristan McKenzie deserves some love, and he's pacing that Indian staff. That's a really good pitching staff as they continue to probably remain the favorites. They're up three games right now going down to the last three weeks of the season. You know, we've said it here. We think the Indians are probably the team that are going to, that's going to end up uh, winning the, the Central Division, and he's a big part of it. Yeah, they're holding firm right now in the AL Central. The Guardians holding off the, the Twins, the White Sox. We were, we were discussing that just last week, and they uh, they look like they have – the, the pitching tools, we all were in agreement with that, that we thought they had the most stable pitching to uh, to make the run in September and hold off the Twins and the White Sox for that division title. Uh, I'm going with Alec Manoa, who basically pitched through a stomach virus for the Blue Jays in a very big day. It was a doubleheader against the Rays on Tuesday. He gave up two runs over six and two-thirds. He was originally scheduled to pitch game one. They gave him more time to try and rest, get over his, his bug. Uh, and, and he pitched game two, again, pitched into the seventh, struck out five. And he said, he said, I have a quote here, that the, uh, the only thing he was thinking about during pregame and between innings was not throwing up. And he said, my, my job is to is not, excuse me, let me, let me rewind. My job is not to feel good. My job is to go out there and compete. So uh, I know we, we just had our postseason draft a couple of weeks ago. I don't know about you guys, but Alec Manoa is a guy that I am really looking forward to watching in the postseason. And the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Mariners, they've kind of solidified themselves for those wild card spots, just a matter of what the order is. But the Blue Jays right now, they're ahead of Seattle and ahead of Tampa Bay. And a big reason why is because, no pun intended here, the gutsy performance of Alec Manoa on Tuesday. Props to him. 
He's got guts, that's for sure. And he, the, the minute he showed up with the big leagues, he was ready to be their number one starter. You know, that's pretty rare when you see a rookie pitcher get called up. So you're right, Jack. He deserves he deserves some love, and he has not disappointed really from day one that he showed up. Made his big league debut at Yankee Stadium last year, and you watch him throw one inning in the big leagues, Gigantor. You say, wow, this guy is something else. That's going to do it here for this episode this week. David, real quick, where are you at this weekend with Sunday Night Baseball? Frisco, San Francisco and the Dodgers. One more West Coast swing and one more red-eye flight. <laughs> Beautiful. Big weekend out west for David. Um, quick reminder here of how I am I'm in Vegas right now for the Canelo Triple G fight. Uh, John Boy Boxing, which is a fast-rising entity over at John Boy Media. They're going to be having a watch party on Saturday. Uh, Dan Canobio is doing a great job, John Boy Boxing, and the newest John Boy Media employee, former world champion Chris Algieri. They're going to be with the crew in studio at John Boy Media headquarters watching that fight. So it's going to be a live stream watch party. You definitely do not want to miss that as they get going for a, a big fight this weekend. Guys, it's been fun. This has been a, a terrific episode. We thank Dustin May for hopping on here. Thanks to our incredible producer, Dan Rourke. Again, new episodes drop each and every week. All year round here on Tone of the Slab, Pitching with David Cohn, a production of John Boy Media. Enjoy the week, everybody.